Well, holy shit, I actually managed to do it. After procrastinating for ages, I finally managed to produce an audiobook version of the Lunatic Fringe book. It's currently available on all Amazon sites, audible.com, and shortly on iTunes. And if you're the page-turning type, it's also, of course, still available in Kindle form, paperback, and uh, hardback on Amazon. Ten hours and ten years worth of Blue Skies Magazine's articles, all available to you right fucking now, including a few author's notes and even an apology or two. Enjoy. In a world... Mate, hold up. We said we're done with the serious intros. Who's it? Well, we did. I don't remember that. Well, I said it, and you're me, so, you know. Well, I don't care. In a world... Uh, hey, I told you. We're keeping it light. You do it on your own, then. Well, technically, I already am, so... Anyway, fuck yeah, pure wild flight. Get it down, ya. How good? Visit nzaerosports.com. I get to do the next one. Well, obviously, you moron, we both do. Of course. I absolutely love the NZ Aerosports business model. I mean, come on. One glance at an Icarus fuck yeah sticker and you know it lines up perfectly with the fucking pilot mentality. But outside their wonderful use of colorful language and a great company vibe, there's a long list of reasons to say NZ Aerosports fuck yeah. NZ Aerosports blows me away right out of the gate as a canopy manufacturer with a bold offer. They give you 10 jumps on your brand new nylon to decide if you want to keep it swap it out, or even return it for a refund. I mean, seriously, how incredible is that? That's like getting halfway through a prom and deciding you prefer the slightly racier date that goes down faster. Seriously, they do that. If you're not madly in love with your new canopy after 10 jumps, they'll let you swap it out for another size or model, or even get your money back. And the range of canopies they've got? Man, they've got a style canopy to fit every jumper and every situation with models you know and trust like the Sapphire 3, the perfect choice for the beginner or intermediate canopy pilot, the Crossfire 3 when you're ready to kick it up that elliptical notch, the JFX 2 if you're looking to up your new swoop game, the Leia as the workhorse and dirt water dirt beast, or the Petra. The Petra cranks out crazy power and is nothing short of a record breaker. But hey, it's not always about speed either. Take the Kraken. Built as a low pack volume canopy specifically with wingsuiting in mind, she gives you all the performance you're looking for with the reliability you need that'll have you itching for that next formation, rodeo, or puffy cloud. So, the equipment is top-of-the-line kick-ass stuff, as you already know, but how about the team? Well, the customer service gang is there to sort you out whenever you need them. Maddie and Beto are always there to help with Jen holding the reins. They're available for you at sales at nzaerosports.com, and they've got a kick-ass live chat tool on the website if you're wanting to hit someone up right away. These are the crew you're going to want to talk to to get those custom orders in. With the stock nylon, once you know what you want, they'll have that shit on a FedEx truck as soon as the credit card machine says approved and get you in the air in no time. For your custom orders, you'll be able to get a time frame for building and shipping when you design it, so get to it. And demos. They've got demos in the U.S. available from their partner Rock Sky Market. 
The whole U.S. demo fleet is there with Sapphire 3, Crossfire 3, Kraken, JFX2, and Leia canopies in a range of sizes. They also offer student and tandem demos in the U.S. Bottom line, every step of the way, NZ Aerosports is there to get you what you need, and I personally couldn't be happier to be teamed up with them here on Lunatic Fringe. And now, time to get started with Lunatic Fringe Into the Void, brought to you proudly by NZ Aerosports. Fuck yeah! Coming straight from the cockpit, it's another episode of Lunatic Fringe with the fucking pilot. Ready, set, go! Back in the can for another edition of Lunatic Fringe Into the Void and that fucking face staring back at me. I love that happy face. Who the fuck are you guys and what do you do? I am Ray Kubiak. I'm Cameron McMahon. And uh, we're indoor skydiving enthusiasts, coaches, <laughs> and uh, what do we say? All-around ninjas? No, All-around ninjas. Yeah. <laughs> en- enthusiasts. That's not... Enthusiasts goes on the weekends. Maybe they fly, maybe they don't. You're a fucking hey, addict. We're, we're obsessed. That's the, I think that's a better way to describe yeah. it. A I little bit. I still feel like it's still in my heart, man. I still love it. So. Well, I mean, quite frankly, with as long as you've been doing it, as hard as you've been going, if it wasn't in your bones by now, there's no way you could keep it up. That's a fact. I I agree. I agree with that 100%. There's no way. So, well, it's kind of funny if you think about it, too, because if you break down your entire adult life, you spent your entire adult life in a big, concrete, windy tube. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's, it's super strange. I think about that often. Um, I think about it. I, I talk to you about it all the time. Um, the amount of observation that I have, my, that it trumps flying and it trumps everything. I'm just watching people in wind think or yeah. not think, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's interesting. It's super interesting. Like I, it's got a point where it's transcended like the job itself. I can just, I can be entertained at the most boring mundane thing going on because I, 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 it's like, I have a superpower. I feel like I can see something that other people maybe can't, you oh, know, well, like you can other people can't see going on or that's just ego thinking that I'm right. <laughs> it's probably I'm both. I'm guessing it's both. Now here, yeah. here's a good question for you because um, indoor skydiving has become so much more visible over the last decade or more. Uh, it's got to be a lot easier for you to explain to people outside of the life what it is you do. But you've been doing this for so long. You have to remember when a conversation about what you did was not a, oh, I do this or I do that. It was a, oh, fuck. Hey, I don't know if we have enough time for me to go over this. Yeah. It's still <laughs> to that as well. But it is nice. People will uh, mention like, oh, I saw that on YouTube. I've seen I've seen a reel about that. So the, the representation in the media definitely helps a lot. Let me introduce you. This is Cameron McMahon, ladies and gentlemen, second generation tunnel instructor. He's been flying since he was three years old or two years old. Yeah. He's been flying since before he could remember or <laughs> yeah. before he had conscious thought. <laughs> um, I hired Cam when he was 18 years old. What are you, 26 now? Yeah. Now he's 26. He has two kids. So, um, he's, so he's, he's one of the ones that I hate for just having an obscene amount of talent in the tunnel. Yeah, I, I'm a slow learner. I've just been doing it for a long time. Yeah, 
I'm fair enough. I'm still I'm still gonna be jealous as fuck. <laughs> so uh, so Ray, um, let's let's jump everybody back to those that haven't had the privilege of listening to your previous episodes. Give me a, a brief synopsis of who Ray Ninja Kubiak is and how you got started in this shit. Well, I got started at Flyaway Las Vegas. Um, I think the year was '98. Don't quote me. Anytime people ask me to talk about numbers, I'm probably going to lie to them because I don't know. Um, Just do know. it with confidence. Yeah, I've been doing it. Been doing it hot minute. Um, that's where I met you. Mm. Um, from from Flyaway, um, started skydiving because of you, <laughs> and then took the skydiving. Um, started a drop zone with Jason Dawson at Gravity Zone Skydiving Center. Um, shortly after that, I worked for a leadership development school while going while still working for Flyaway and Starbucks. I was kind of dual because um, I needed health insurance. Mm. <laughs> Ended up moving. I ended up moving to Utah, skydive uh, sky Ogden, jumping there during the summers, and then I would winter in the tunnel in Vegas. And I did that for three years, and then skydive Arizona opened, so I moved to skydive Arizona, and I ran that tunnel for seven years or eight years, and then went to Paraclete XP, and worked there for two and a half years, and then moved to Virginia Beach, Virginia, and currently work at uh, the gold star for iFly tunnels. I would say, yeah. Like, I love what we have going on here. Um, it's a franchise, and uh, yeah. How and how next chapter? How how surreal is it? All these years later, to look back, not just at the the flying that you've done, but all the moving around and all the different people and all the all the different things you've been able to experience because you decided to go into a wind tunnel one day. Yeah, it's crazy. Right? Yeah. It, yeah. I don't know. Some, some of it, there's, there's some survivor's guilt in there somewhere <laughs> where I've seen, seen, I've seen hundreds of instructors just have to quit because, because they have to move on and we'll, we'll, we'll cover, I'll cover this more in detail later on in the podcast, but um, the, uh, I feel lucky that I've been able to do what I've been doing for as long sure. as I've been doing. And the flying part, it's funny because people are like, they'll talk about my flying. And it's like, I don't even know if my flying is part of a conversation anymore. Like that's not the part of it. I love anymore. Like I mm. like, I love the people. I love, I love leaders. I like the leadership role. Um, I want to do a better job at that part and uh, really build a, build a pathway for, we need to do it better than what is currently happening. And, hmm. um, and I feel like, I feel like we have the formula for it. Um, I would like to put the years of practice into something meaningful. Um, otherwise I'm just going to feel like I wasted my time. Sure. But yeah, it I is, can... it is interesting. Cameron, tell least. me, uh, uh, you got started super young. So I'm assuming that your, uh, your parents to some degree were enthusiasts. Yeah, so my dad was actually an instructor at Flyaway Pigeon Forge in the early 90s, also toured with a handful of the portable tunnels. Uh, he was also one of the first instructors with uh, John Suter and Phil Henderson to go and open SkyVenture Orlando. John Suter, of- holy shit, I haven't heard that name in a fucking minute. Good old John Suter, tie-dye John Suter. Uh, so my dad also helped train uh, Joe Winters, Carlos Uribe, Eliana Rodriguez. Uh, so super early days of SkyVenture Orlando. 
uh, he ended up leaving the company. And then I started working at Pigeon Forge in uh, 2012. And I've been a tunnel instructor for going on 11 years now. Wow. And flying has been one of the best things that's ever happened to me in my life. Pretty much anything that's great that's happened to me between competing, traveling, jumping, the friends I've made, meeting my fiance, having my kids, like every single thing that's been positive in my life has come from flying. And it's been one of the biggest blessings I've had. I, uh, I'm super proud to, to like have come as far as I have in this. I was going to join the military since I like, super poor kid from East Tennessee. Like I just need some structure in my life. Going to go do this thing. And then uh, Joe Winters actually offered me a job in New Hampshire he saw that I was working at Flyaway. I was like, "Hey, man, we need instructors in New Hampshire. You wanna, you wanna come up and see how it goes." Ended up not working out, but it led me to Ray, which was fantastic. And then uh, Ray has been my greatest mentor. He's my best friend, and uh, it's been it's been an absolutely fantastic ride so far. And I can't wait to see what we're gonna do for everybody in the future. That's fantastic. Now, um, seeing as how you got started super early in the Flyaway Tunnel, I'm guessing your experience was the same in mine as mine and and Ray's in the transition from the the flyaway fun tunnel and it was a fucking blast but i i I consider it much more of a a, it's either a a cloth flying tunnel or an it's amusement ride um but it's not what i would consider a body flight tunnel um so how did you find the transition uh you know it very much was like going from parkour trampoline park or skate park to this is the next level the professional thing which was uh it was really awesome because I felt like uh, flyaway was definitely my escape when I was when I was a teenager. It was really awesome for me uh, to be hired by Rob Ogle, number one, and given a chance to be able to be an instructor. But then to have that release and be part of something really cool and work with a higher energy crew and do something that made you feel like a badass uh, was awesome. And sure. then having the, then transition into a more professional setting with that and doing government contracting and getting to skydive and start and organize and compete and uh, there was a time I was getting paid to travel and compete in the tunnel. And I mean, it was, it's, it's crazy to see how far everything's come. So the transition, uh, was definitely very shocking and, uh, much more powerful than you would have initially imagined after spending time at flyaway, just to realize the capabilities that the new industry has. Sure. Well, Ray, you'll remember, uh, uh we were all working at flyaway when they first started talking about the first wall to wall air tunnel. And all of us were like, what are you fucking mental wall to wall, no pads, no nothing. And I remember thinking this is ridiculous. Somebody's going to get themselves killed. And of course the only place I ever fucked myself up in a tunnel was in flyaway. <laughs> <laughs> Because you'd right. fall yeah. off the column of air. But one thing you touched on real quick that I don't want to skip over, it's a name that most people will never know in the body flight industry, and that's Rob Ogle. Yeah, Rob Ogle, man, the man, the myth, the legend. And that's that's one of the sexiest things about our story. I don't know if Ray's touched on this with you. Yet. Well, yeah, yeah, all right. We'll, we'll get to that later, but it's a, it's an exciting piece with Rob. It, you know, <laughs> Rob was my first ever instructor in the tunnel, and I he gave me what I assume is the line he tells literally what? every fucking person: "You're a natural. You should you should go out and skydive. You were meant for this." Which of course made me run in the jumpsuit across the street to the ATM to get more fucking money. Um, so I assume he was lying through his teeth, but it worked, and yeah. he he eventually just gave me a job in flyaway because I wouldn't go away. He's the wizard, man. Knowing Rob for as long as I've known him, I don't think he lies. I, I don't think he does. I don't either. think he does. I think he's a, he's a, he's a Tennessee boy through and through, man. I don't think he has it in him. Like, <laughs> well, then I was, you know? then I was a fucking natural. 
Hey. Yeah. Hey, look at you. And so was I. He told me the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, wait, wait. I took you in the tunnel the first time. You were fucking not a natural. <laughs> I know, man. You have to listen to my first podcast to hear that story, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, absolutely. You you've done a few, but tune into the first one with Ray and me, and he tells the whole story. Now, um, how about jumping, Cameron? What kind of a jump experience have you got? I've got a little over 700 jumps, not anywhere near as much jumping as I'd like to do. So I started jumping. Um, I'd been an instructor for about three years before I started jumping. I had done a tandem in uh, Massachusetts at Pepperell. It's a great experience. And then started jumping in Virginia. And the drop zones here are great, but they're really far from Virginia Beach. Um, and just being busy at the tunnel, it took me like two and a half years to get my license, I think. <laughs> sure. Uh, finally, and ended up, I left Virginia Beach and moved to Paraclete for uh, about two years, two and a half years. And um, Paraclete was awesome. I got to spread my wings. I got to kind of experience the, the Wild West a little bit. And I jumped my ass off. Uh, I was super blessed to be able to shoot a video for XPG4. So got to spend a bunch of time jumping, got to really spread my wings there. And then uh, I ran a small free fly organizing team called Flight Club XP. We put on a handful of events where we would do group, uh, group free fly skills in the tunnel and then take people out and organize in the sky. Um, and a lot of what we did with Flight Club has actually played into what my plan always was for our future project. Sure. Now, what did the, so uh, really cool what, did the uh, what did the family think as you transitioned from what was obviously just kind of a, uh, an enjoyable pastime for you and the family into what's clearly been a career your entire life? Uh, you know, I've been extremely lucky that my family has been super, super supportive. Um, I, if anything, my family, they're, they're super hippies. They, they uh, tr transplanted from Michigan to Tennessee in the 60s and, you know, mountain hippie folks. So when they heard I wanted to join the military, they're like, I don't know about that. But if that's what you want, man. So then I was like, hey, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to go be a skydiver and I'm going to teach people to fly in the tunnel. They're like, awesome, dude. Live your dream. <laughs> Find your path. That's so really cool because I – that's really, really cool because, I mean, a lot of people you would think the pushback would be, okay, that was a lot of fun for when you were a teenager or that was a lot of fun when you were in school, but when are you going to grow up, right? Right. Well, and I think the benefit to my dad being an instructor, and he was he was the GM and the chief instructor at Orlando at one point in time as well, so I think there, there was a little bit of the understood legitimacy on the back end too where it wasn't this far-fetched thing. They had kind of already been exposed to it. Sure. Well, I mean, Ray is living proof because when I started out in the tunnel, the tunnel was a great way to get a few bills paid, but it wasn't, uh, um, at least in my mind, a potential long-term career because the paycheck that I was drawing at the time just wasn't, it. there wasn't a livable wage. Um, but Ray went on to turn it into a proper career and show, along with quite a few other trailblazers, that it could be done. Yeah, Absolutely. That's we all anybody anybody who's been successful, I say, has probably modeled a lot of what they've done off of myself included. Yeah, oh, I know it. I mean, I I brag about this guy all the time just because I had you know this much time in the tunnel with him. <laughs> Motherfuckers, this ain't the Ray Kubiak show, <laughs> <laughs> dude. It's always the Ninja Show. Fuck off, man. <laughs> so, what, Ray? How did you how did you initially uh, decide you were going to hire this kid? Because he's a kid. Yeah, man, I'm gonna tell you something. Um, I hold Rob in the highest regard. He, I'm gonna, I'm gonna break into this. All right, all right. I wanted to tell this. Do story. it. That's your story. Um, Rob hired me. Um, you remember, you know, 
I'm still skinny, but I was like skinny me with no muscles. Yep. Covered in like I wouldn't, I don't, I don't know. That would have been a rough hire. <laughs> um, and he hired me and uh, 16 years later, he hired Cameron when he was 16, yeah, 15. 15. Yeah. When Cameron was 15, he became a, an instructor in flyaway Tennessee. I worked front desk first. For, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. He was front desk first. Yeah. Um, which was originally supposed to be my first station, but I told Rob, I didn't want to be in the first station. I wanted to be with the, with the dudes. Um, they, uh, not to get too far into where we're going with, with the other thing, but Rob's part of the new project and he'll, he'll be able to retire. Um, he'll be able to retire, which is huge because yeah. who in our industry gets to do that? You know, fucking probably, nobody. probably one of the first, he was an instructor. Um, he, he, he walked the walk and did the thing back before any of it was even kind of cool, you know? Oh yeah. When there was when there was 20 people on the planet doing it, he right. was doing it. And for it to come full circle is so awesome. Like, you, to be able you to... know, it's, it's funny. Every time I see uh, a Facebook post from fly away that he's looking for summer instructors, I get this fucking warm fuzzy every time. I'm like, <laughs> I wonder if I could still do it. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, anyway, the, uh, <laughs> um, what, where, were, where was that going? It was uh, Rob. Um, something about Rob. I sorry, man. I part of our project. No, Rob no, hired, both of us. hired both of us. Yeah. Oh, why did I hire him? Oh, right, right. Man, there's categories for people. Like there's there's visitors in in our sport, and there's lifers in our sport. You know, and there, it's always going to be that you can't have everybody can't be a lifer. Just we still need doctors and lawyers and 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 maybe not lawyers as much, but we still need doctors <laughs> and and engineers and, and people that go to college. And this is a perfect job for, for those people to do it. And those aren't sure. the lifers. Like he showed up at 18 years old. He was like, where's the mop? Like that bathroom's dirty. I was like, huh, I'm going to give that dude a job type thing. You know, yeah. he's just a life. He's, he loves it. Like I can see, I can see when somebody loves it more than they love themselves, you know? Sure. Like they're going to provide the best customer service to both um, first time flyers and enthusiasts. And not everybody has that. And he, he had it. So I would have been, I had, I, I was going to hire him before I even met him. Nice. Just as Rob hired him. I, I think I may, I may have had a conversation with Rob maybe, but then Zach, Zach Jones, who was somebody that I had hired. He, he had say, he, this kid, he had vetted him and he's like, he isn't really getting the opportunity at this spot that he, that he wants. And so I was like, we need to bring them. Dude, that's awesome. And, well, I, yeah. I, th I think you're right is that you can absolutely spot the, the tourists versus the lifers and especially the people that are going to uh, have longevity in that type of industry, because uh, you can see the joy that they take, even in flying those first time troubled students and the challenges that uh, they enjoy having put forth not to mention on a customer service side of things, if you love flying, especially as much as you and I did back in the day in Flyaway, everybody sees it from a million miles away. They know you are in a place that you fucking love and it's infectious. You know, I mean, we were just bouncing off the walls with energy for that tunnel and our students, you know, they, they felt it and it was a wonderful thing. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was strange. I was actually kind of turning, turning a little left. Um, 
I was listening to the Hawk versus Wolf podcast. It's Tony Hawk and Jason Ellis. Okay. And the comparison in like skateboarding in the early days, um, in the competition, and and then the the rough transition they had through the nineties, mm. right? We're skateboarding pretty much like he went from making like like a, a pretty good salary doing skate demos and this and that, and then um the rules like for whatever reason it kind of just fell off the map they mm. got too technical with some of the stuff some of the creativity died for a minute in the early 90s to about 2000 like like there was about a decade where it died like skateboarding kind of died and then it it then it had its rebirth through like x games and like stuff like this right um he was talking about uh when he started there wasn't a pathway to professional skateboarder, right? There wasn't this set bag of tricks that you can learn. And if you learn how to in-face, out-face carve and snake and dynamic fly and this and that, that you were going to then be on a team and then be a sponsored athlete in, in the deal. And part of the equation is that that kind of kills the creativity because it keeps people from, I didn't have, I didn't have a why um, I was doing it. My why for doing it was I liked doing it. And the difficulty level of flyaway, like that is next level difficult to fly on that thing. And I think that's why we did it for so long. Like the longevity of an instructor at a flyaway was like, what, like five, like I was there for seven, eight years straight before I took my first break. Yeah. uh, And I look back on that and I'm like, dude, that tunnel was hot. (laughs) Melt your nail polish hot. Like that tunnel was hot. It was not good air. Like you're wearing jumpsuits. Like we got three minutes of flight time a day. I was like most people, if you were, if you were in the heavy, if you were a heavy hitter, man, like you weren't flying, you were going to lay on the net. Yep. And then a case of suits would like fill up with the air. And then now you're 15 feet up in the air and, and I'm catching you. Yep. <laughs> it's crazy. Like it was, it was pretty wild. Like I can't believe that I did it for that long. Um, But it being difficult and there not being a pathway, it felt like we were blazing a trail every single day. Oh like yeah. You come up with a new thing that had never been done. Like stop saying the word invented. Cause I don't think, I don't think you invent moves. Um, a, a good buddy of mine, David Collins, he said, you don't discover moves. You, you, or you don't invent moves. You discover them. Sure. So we were able to discover like new movements and new combos all the time. And it was fun because it hadn't been figured out yet. Oh yeah. Well, one of the things that I enjoyed so much about the old flyaway tunnel was uh, especially for a guy like me that I think at the time I was five, nine and close to 200 pounds. So I'm kind of challenged in that tunnel anyway. So I'm wearing the biggest suits that I possibly could, but I remember the first time I came up off the net, tracked up to the windows and then did a double backflip off of them back into the air to astonished looks on everybody's face. And that was fucking addictive. You're like, I, I just did that and other people saw it. <laughs> Holy shit. And relatively, you're an athletic fellow, but I mean, I, if you got, went to a trampoline park and tried to do a double backflip, you, you'd have, what, what, what would, what was that thing that you'd have? Oh, wheelchair. <laughs> like you'd have one of those, those wheelchair things attached to you for the rest of your life. Like, um, so it's it's fun from that aspect where it was like, kind of, kind of look like you're a ninja, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, like, like I wouldn't consider myself mega athletic at all in the real world. Like, put me in a wind tunnel, I feel stronger, I move faster. Like, it's cool. Like, 
Well, I mean, especially flying back then and fly away, um, my, my flying ability got me laid out of that tunnel. (laughs) I mean, come on. How does that, that, that doesn't happen. That would never happen now. Now I wouldn't even get a pity hug (laughs) with the way that I fly. But I mean, back then it was, it was badass, you know, you'd get the people standing in the windows, watching us fly going, I can't believe what I'm seeing. Right. It was cool as fuck. The gallery. The gallery. Always. So, I mean, you guys have both spent so much time pushing towards um, perfecting what you've done. And and Cameron, I mean, you've been at it basically your entire adult life. You figured out, Ray, how to make a career out of, but you say you want to make more of an impact. And I know that you guys have been pushing really hard towards doing exactly that. So tell me what kind of stuff um, you've been doing to try and make sure you're making more of an impact like you want to make. I'm going to let Cameron start. We're going into our story now. Yeah, yeah man. Yeah. Started off. This is his baby. He's the, he's the, he's the brainchild behind it. Um, he got about six years ago with uh, building his business plan. Might maybe even going on seven now. And yeah. then, uh, and then I got involved just a little over two years ago. So take it away. Yeah. So like Ray said, I, I started this about seven years ago, six years ago and uh, went down path a little bit out of frustration with the current state of things. But then also that was a time where I was competing. I was training a lot and kind of recognized that there was starting to be a need. Like I I could see that competitions were huge and viewership was going up and I'm, I'm traveling to Japan or Spain or Canada to go to all these competitions. And it's like, man, this is, this is starting to get pretty big. People are putting a lot of money and time into this. Like if, if we're going to be able to continue this, if this level is going to have any hope for longevity, somebody's got to put the effort into actually making this a thing. We need our own X games. So it kind of started out initially as just wanting to find a better way to do competitions and Mm. get more money and to make it easier. Number one, for people to actually want to compete because there's cash prizes and there's a good benefit to it. But then also like getting the viewership up and making competitions more popular, doing them more frequently. And And during that period, during that period, there was a lot of talk about Olympics, right? All this, this pipe dream, like this, you know, um, there was other, right? Like it seemed bigger than it actually. Did. Yeah. Yeah. So the competition mindset eventually ended up kind of shifting into, well, I, I didn't think that the Olympics was ever really going to be a possibility. And not, not to say that I'm a doubter, you know, like if, if flying ever ends up in the Olympics, that's awesome. But in looking at stuff like skateboarding or snowboarding or whatever, the, the thing that I really admired about their progression is they didn't, somebody didn't strap a snowboard to their feet and then be like, hell yeah, I want to go to the Olympics. It was, I'm just going to get, nasty at this and we're going to have our own little comps we're going to do our own little thing so i wanted that x games mentality i wanted it to be a for the flyer by the flyer we've got our thing and we're going to make it awesome and then other people will get interested realizing that that was the step that needed to happen i was like well if i'm going to do that i need a tunnel and maybe i'll attach a drop zone to it and it started as a super lofty i'm going to do a 22 foot diameter tunnel and we'll have a drop zone attached to it and we'll do all this stuff and it was this huge dream and started to kind of learn about the back end of the business and then recognize like, Oh, Hey, hang on. <laughs> There's a lot that goes into the money side of this. Like, you know, that I actually need to educate myself on the business end. So started doing as much research as possible. Uh, the small business administration has all kinds of fantastic resources on starting a business and learning how everything works. I spent pretty much every free dollar and minute I had outside of work and family to educate myself and 
get consultations and really learn as much as possible about how the business worked. Um, once I understood how the business worked, oh, I sat down. Business in general. Business in general, right. Yeah. Once I really had a, a decent understanding of how I was going to function financially, I sat down and wrote out like my why. And why is it that I really want to do this? And when it came down to it, it was like, this isn't about my name. This isn't about my legacy. This isn't my pride. This isn't for financial gain for me. This is making the sport better. This is giving the sport an opportunity to flourish, mm. giving some, giving people a place to fly who love flying as much as I do. Cause flying is my life. Like I, like I said, earlier everything that i have that's been positive to me has come from flying and by giving other people that same opportunity i think only positive things can come out of that mm. so once i established my why um started kind of trailblazing on making a tunnel a possibility ended up coming to the dual tunnel uh facility realization that was kind of the big epiphany that where i realized that not only is this going to be great for the sport but this it can actually be financially successful for investors uh, so we can actually get people their money back this isn't just some passion project pipe dream this is going to be something that's great for the sport and something that's actually going to be very successful uh so that was about four years in um when i was approached still, me at that time with yeah. the, approached me at that time i i pretty much deny I told him he was stupid <laughs> like two tunnels two tunnel like one tunnel doesn't operate at full capacity like why right. would you do two tunnels but yeah. continue on so at that time I was still looking I, I wanted to put a tunnel outside of Nashville and everybody was talking about how awesome Nashville is and it's this huge tourist center and I was like man if I get maybe 45 minutes an hour outside of Nashville I can still do my my tunnel and drop zone combo started doing a lot more research on drop zones and realized that uh, if you want to make a million bucks, the best way to make a million bucks is to start with 2 million and open a drop zone. <laughs> yep. so, uh, kind of abandoned the drop zone thing for the time being, because as much as I love jumping, that's just not my wheelhouse. And I, I recognized that I would be able to do more positive things with the wind tunnel. Ray and I got to talking some more and I finally was able to convince him of uh, how great the dual tunnel setup is going to be. And I'll, I'll get into a little bit more of that later. But once we started talking about it, we were trying to talk about some names and still trying to pick a location. And I, I can't remember who said we should do it. Uh, we'll give Ray the credit for it. But it was like, man, how awesome would it be to be flyaway? And I was like, okay, I, we, I won't have it any other way. We're doing, we're doing flyaway. So mm -hmm. we contacted Rob and hey, man, We've talked to some people. We've got people interested in giving us money to do this thing. This is going to sound really crazy, but we want to buy Flyaway from you, and we want to build a new tunnel there. And at first, Rob was like, oh, yeah, sure. All right, that sounds good. Uh, let's let's have a call. And talked a little bit, gave him the rundown of what we were trying to do, and then it ended up being like, you know what? I, uh, I think this is going to be great. And that's the super cool thing is not only do we get to – take the the torch from rob and further the legacy of flyaway but rob gets to come on work on board with us we get to retire rob i get to retire ray and then hopefully i'll get to retire eventually so we'll have the the first three tunnel instructors that actually have a path to retirement which will be great <laughs> a retirement plan for tunnel flyers is fucking epic man Right. So before we get too far into the into into what we what we do have going on, it is a dual tunnel facility facility. Yep. It's a 14 foot tunnel and a 17 foot tunnel. They they are on their own. They have separate flight decks. We're going to break down this model here in a little sure. bit and show exactly what we're talking about. Yeah. My why behind the project, though, is I hired this young man when he's 18 years old. 
um, the longevity, the current longevity of an instructor in the industry is about three years. Mm. You can't really go much longer than three years of flying first time flyers. They beat you up a bit. Um, some people last to like the four year, the five year mark. Um, the money's, the money's pretty decent with commissions and stuff. Um, I think the average right now is between 40 and 50,000, 36 to 50,000 yeah. with, you know, and if you're a young, a, a young person doing that, um, and you don't have kids, that, that can be a chunk of cash in your pocket. Sure. Um, but eventually, but then eventually it's like, man, I got to go. I don't really want to stop doing this. I want to work with first, I want to work with skydivers more or, or enthusiasts more. I want to do more coaching. That's where the money's at. Um, and then we run into the, the, the problem of the members who pay a cheaper cost for the tunnel. Um, cannibalizing on the first time flyer hour right so then you ask not to come on saturday or to only book 15 minutes on saturday or um you start making it difficult for experienced flyers to book tunnel time and what the 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 best analogy i've come up with so far is imagine if you had a drop zone that had a, a single aircraft let's call it let's say a 206 um and you do an awesome job of making aff students you know but then saturday rolls around those people who are no longer AFF students and now they're, they're people working on their A license or, or they have their A license. Um, they spend a lot of time sitting on the bench while tandems fly because you don't own your aircraft. Tandems take priority in our industry. The first time flyers are the tandem. So how do you offer? Um, I, I don't even like to say the word discount. How do you offer a fair price for enthusiasts that are spending anywhere from 10 to a hundred thousand dollars in a wind tunnel a year? Um, how do you offer them a, a lesser cost um, and then also invite them to come fly on Saturday? Hmm. Like it's almost impossible. It's, I would, I would say it is impossible to do with a single tunnel facility, the dual tunnel. And this is where I got on board with him when he, when he broke it down like that, I said a dual tunnel facility changes the mindset from a, um, I don't want you here on Saturday to uh, I need you to be here on Saturday. We need you to show up to this facility. We need you to come with your coaches. Like we need, like that's the longevity of an instructor. If you look at, let's say I fly uh, Utah. Is that an I fly? Yeah. I fly Utah. The longevity of their instructors is about 10 years. Longevity of the instructor at Paraclete is about seven years, 10 years. There's still people there that were there when I was there. Um, and also in Arizona. So Arizona, Utah, Paraclete. They don't have a large, they don't have a first time flyer um, problem. I don't want to call it a problem. It's just, uh, they, they, they do a tenth yeah. of the first time flyers that the iFly lo- or the other locations do because they're strategically placed in spots where a lot of traffic's going to be. We want that first time flyer to come in. They're also really good at making making enthusiasts of the sport. Yeah. Yeah. So this purpose-built facility caters to both and neither party becomes a second class citizen. Like everybody's important. Sure. Well, I'm and that's extremely important, right? Because uh, you, you use the drop zone as an analogy. That's exactly the drop zone that I learned on. And you know it well, Scott, I've Las Vegas. And that's why I drove to Paris Valley 
every fucking weekend because I couldn't get on a load at the drop zone that I learned at because it was a tandem based facility. And let's face it, um, for most facilities, that's where the money is. Right. right. And I feel, I feel like I, I, I really, I'm, I'm, I'll probably get flack for this, but it's, it's okay. Um, I feel like the wrong people are kind of getting shit on, you know, where it's like, I don't think anybody should be getting shit on. I just think that we've evolved. Our industry has evolved and has, and, and the enthusiast market has outgrown the current infrastructure. And it sucks that these things cost so much money to build, Yeah, you know, because it isn't like you can say, oh, oh, you know what would be awesome if we could put another tunnel here, then we could, you know, if we could just buy another aircraft, it's like, yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> you got to own the aircraft that you own, that you have, you know, right. it's just, it's almost not a realistic thing. So when, when, when the fun jumpers are complaining that they can't get on a load and this place is nothing but a tandem factory, funny story, when Jason and I started the gravity zone skydiving center, I was under the impression that I was starting a drop zone for my friends to come fly, for my friends to go skydiving. And, you know, uh, Bosworth and all those dudes, you know, like they they were complaining. Like, oh, no, we're Tanner Factory. And I told Jason, I was like, hey, man, what the fuck? Everybody's thinking, <laughs> what's going on with this? Like, like, what the hell? I thought we started this for the love of, 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 of skydiving and stuff. And he's like, we did. But if you don't own your aircraft, sky, like, t- you can't. You can't sit tandems down and let the and, and, and let the fun jumpers go run your aircraft all day. You gotta they gotta happen after. Like we only have X amount of seats. That's a two hundred and fifty dollar seat, and this is an eighteen dollar seat at the time. You yeah. know, so um, I didn't. I was pissed, and I was wrong, but I was pissed. Like <laughs> I didn't get it. So I see I see these in Chuck in, like instructor chat or flying chat like 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 rooms i don't comment on any of the stuff i'm not a member of any of the stuff i kind of vicariously get to see it through others or hear hear the hear the um and it's not on um hold on i got a call coming (laughs) um it's not unwarranted it's not an unwarranted argument it's more what do you what do you do if you don't have if you don't have a facility that was purposely built to cater the exact issue that you're facing. Sure. You know, it's not the, the tunnel instructors aren't doing it. The management of the tunnels aren't doing it. Even the people at the top aren't doing it. The IBA certainly isn't the problem, Right. you know, and people like, I don't know. I don't know if they've made the separation between the IBA and, and, and corporate and, and, and the challenges that corporate faces with everything that they have going on. And I don't work for them. I'm not toting a company line. I'm just seeing it from the outside. Sure. Like, we're hoping to ease some of that, some of that, that pressure cooker that's growing. And it's like, man, let's give people a place to come fly. Yeah, sure. That's not going to hurt our business and ultimately helps the whole industry. Sure. So now, Cameron, yeah. when you started approaching people that were potentially going to invest in this, were you going to people in the industry? Were you just kind of going everywhere? And and who have you attracted as far as where are they coming from? So uh, we are super, super lucky uh, to have, we have an amazing group of private investors. We've also got a handful of institutional lenders uh, that are helping us out. And we'll, we'll speak about this more later on in the podcast, but the, the private investors that we have uh, are anybody from prior students of mine, connections that I've met through the industry. Every single one of them is somebody who loves to fly, 
somebody who believes in the dream and the vision. And at the end of the day, I, almost every single pitch we've done with these people, we've done so many pitches. We've talked to, we have talked to people outside of the industry. And it's funny, some of the pitches we've done outside of the industry, they're like, well, why don't you just focus on first timers? That's where the money is. They don't really see the vision. Almost every person we've pitched that com is committed to us, they're like, man, I've heard that you guys are doing this and I think it's super awesome. And, and I'm in like, we, nice. we didn't really get into the financials. Eventually we did. And our, our stuff is legit and everything's good to go. And it definitely is. A, it's a very worthwhile and great investment for them, but they were so sold on the vision and what we wanted to do and the positive impact we were going to have on the sport that it didn't really take much convincing, which we nice. are so, so grateful for. And that's in a, in a perfect world. That's really, really what we would love to have. That's the big thing. We both see this as the people's tunnel. Like this is, we, we consider this for the flyer, by the flyer. So uh, if anybody is still interested, we, we've raised enough funds to make this thing a reality, but we would love to have as many like-minded people who love to fly, who would love to make a, a financial gain off of this. This is your tunnel, like we said. So if anybody's interested, you guys feel free to reach What's out to us. The call that we make to the people. Oh, capital calls. Yeah, yeah. We haven't we haven't made our capital calls yet, right. so we're still we're not tied into the institutional lenders right yet. So, but we were able to raise the money that we raised, being as quiet as possible. Right. You know, just wanted to keep our cards close to our chest. So now this is our opportunity. Now that we've announced to just say. Anybody else interested? Yeah. Sure. This well, Ray, I think it was probably a year ago, maybe now already, that you kind of gave me a lowdown whisper of shit's coming, man. I can't really <laughs> tell you, but shit's fucking coming. And I know you. You're, you know, I mean, uh, if you, you want to see what the thing yeah, yeah, I was just about to say what I want you to do now uh, for those that are just listening to the podcast, these two are going to pick up the camera and, and walk over to a model that they've had built that's going to show everything. Guys, be as descriptive as possible for everybody just listening. And for those watching on YouTube, check it out. This is the vision. All right. Good deal. Come on. Yeah, okay. yeah, it's good here. All right. Cool. Here is our 50,000 plus square foot facility. <laughs> it's it's a little ridiculous how large this thing is. We're going to go ahead and lift the top off of this. And uh, just based on how this thing is constructed, we're going to work our way from the top down. Okay. Is that a good view, Dean? Yep. Yep. That's perfect. Awesome. So this is the fourth floor. And on the fourth floor, we've got right here, we've got a 3,000 square foot gym and recovery center. We'll have some ice baths. We'll have a big sauna. Uh, we've got a conference room. We've got a handful of other administrative offices up here. And then we've actually got lodging on site for up to 65 people. So any camps that we end up doing, courses, competitions, we'll be able to sleep a decent amount of the people that are coming to be at the facility, which is awesome. Uh, we're also planning on having shovel shuttles. So we'll pick people up from the airport. We'll bring them to the tunnel. We'll transport them back and forth. Oh, yeah, you get set the bridge back on. All right. Now we're moving down to, we've got our admin offices here. So this is stuff you all, you all don't need to worry about. This is just our offices here. This is where you can see the main flight deck. So yeah, you set that up. So main flight deck for the first timers is at ground level. Um, an awesome thing with the flight deck, and what's really crazy to me about flyaways, uh, you know, Pigeon Forge was opened in 1982. Uh, it's been going for 40 years, and they have one of the most efficient flows of any business, uh, any tunnel I've ever worked at. So we were able to kind of mimic their clockwise rotation for our flight deck for first timers. 
So when you walk in through the front door here, we've got concierge. If you're a first timer, you're going to move over to the right and go through our first timer process. Pro flyers have their own desk where they'll be able to move down to the pro flyer floor. We've got some party rooms that overlook the first timer deck. And then the pro flyer floor is actually subterranean. Uh, so the nice thing about this, we'll actually have a curtain or accordion wall that goes around this. We will be able to block off the downstairs if we'd like to or need to. We've got stadium seating around the tunnel. This is the 17 foot diameter tunnel. Uh, and we've also got five 200 square foot team rooms. We've got locker rooms with showers. We've got a pro lounge. We've got a massive classroom. We've got a dedicated pro gear shop where we'll have gear rental. We'll sell suits and helmets. Uh, we've got multiple creeper circles and stretching areas. So this space in itself is about 12,500 square feet. So, I mean, this is a massive area. We'll be able to have hundreds of people down here. We can launch full scale competitions or courses and still be running regular first-timer operations up on the floor above. And if we wanted to, we could block this off and nobody upstairs would even know. And for reference, these these walk-in circles here, or creeper circles, are uh, 17 feet in diameter. Wow. Just scale. Wow. I mean, wow. I, I love that uh, on the uh, the entry level, especially for the first-timers, I absolutely could see the comparison to the flyaway floor plan. I remember that. I remember walking through the front door and I remember where the classrooms were. I remember where you'd gear people up, all of it. That's awesome. It's awesome to have a, a flow. And that's the big thing. Like I've, I think I've picked up in being an instructor for so long is uh, you can't give people too much information. And the more that you can kind of just guide them through the experience, like, Hey, we're going this way now. All right, cool. We're going this way. Hey, do that thing. Perfect. All right, get on out of here. And yeah. uh, it makes it, it makes it easy for them and they just get to enjoy the experience without the the apprehension and without the overthinking and just, Oh my God, am I doing it right? So we just get to guide them through this super chill experience. We get them to fly. We drop them off at the bar. They have some food and drinks. They buy a t-shirt and they walk on out the door. Hopefully they come back and buy some return packages. That's awesome. Well, and I love the fact that you kept the experienced flyers in the all, all the way downstairs where they're much less likely to get out into the general public and cause mayhem. <laughs> I'm telling you what, man. It happened to me yesterday. Tunnel. Um, I fly Virginia Beach, the best high fly wind tunnel in, <laughs> in the world. Um, we were there yesterday. Now I just I really want people to know that personally myself and yep. Cam, yep, we're not absolutely. we're not leaving, we're not leaving our current situation. Um because anything bad right. has ever happened. Like if, if I, anything, iFly has actually enabled us to do a lot of this. Bob Pizzini, the owner of iFly Virginia Beach, he's paid for us to go to leadership uh, training courses. They buy us leadership books all the time. Like we, we have a lot of really great leadership development and opportunities to do some really cool stuff there. So a lot of the things that we're even able to execute now, Virginia Beach has definitely had a big helping hand in yeah. enabling he, us to do that. He offers a, he, he actually does his own leadership development called a, he, I don't think he calls it leadership development, but um, I'm going to call it that. Yeah. It's uh, elevate your leadership. And I don't know, he's, he's empowered us to, to do like, he's awesome, man. Yeah. And so I'll, I'll forever be grateful for this opportunity and moving on to the next chapter. I'm still going to, my heart's still here in a bit, you know? Sure. Um, now that being said, what's uh what's the uh, estimate on excited. Uh, What's the estimate on breaking ground? What's the estimate on um, start of operations? Have you got ballparks? Yeah, 
at right now. Uh, like we said earlier, we've, we've got the property locked up. The property's under contract. We've raised enough money to do the project. We've got the next 90 days where we're basically organizing all of our funding. After these 90 days, we're going to start making capital calls. We'll start executing things. So dependent on how everything stacks up, we've done a lot of due diligence on making sure we've got the proper suppliers. Everything's ready to go. I mean, you've seen the model. We've also got 3D renderings. We've already got all of our blueprint stuff done. So we've done as much of the legwork as possible to try to shorten our timeline as much as we can. In a perfect world, we'll break ground sometime late this summer or fall, and then it'll be plus or minus a year from breaking ground to actually being open to the public fully operational. Uh, if we get delayed a little bit just based on construction or whatever, then you know maybe we'll break ground in the winter of next year and then we'll be open the tail end. But the goal is to open as soon as possible. So we, like I said, we've got these 90 days, so pretty much till the middle of June to truly decide our way forward. And then once we've made that decision on how we're going to actually move forward with our funding, we'll close and be ready to go. That's amazing. And I honestly, I fucking love the fact that it's a flyaway. Yeah, man. Yeah. It's super cool. So we're using the, the technology that we use. Like the question I get, I've, I've gotten thrown at me yeah. and it's the elephant in the room. Yeah. But it, I know listeners are going to want to know this. What about the patents or the patents up or are the, are the iFly patents up? And yeah. it's like, you don't have a problem with patents if you're not breaking any of the patent laws. Like right. don't break the patent laws. You don't have any of the patent problems. Right. And the manufacturer that we're using has done all the due diligence um, to make sure that none of their patents right. infringe on any of the patents. So moving forward. Nice. You know, well, I mean, be- I mean, let's face it. It's a, it's a grown up game, right? It's, it's a, it's a grown up game where we have the opportunity to still play like kids, but at the end of the day, shit goes sideways real quick. If you don't know how to play that grown up game, and I, you're both at the the point where you understand that. Otherwise, a business like this is impossible. Right. Well, and that was one of the huge things. When I first started sourcing people to build this tunnel, I contacted a bunch of different manufacturers and said, hey, you know, I'm interested in building a tunnel. Would you be interested in doing something in the U.S.? Are you able to do something in the U.S.? And contacted STRL and they came back and they were like, here's a packet from patent lawyers we've talked to. We like, we've already done our due diligence. We're ready to go, which was awesome to know number one, that they've already put the work into it and then was able to take that to our lawyers, make sure everything was kosher. Um, so yeah, we, we feel really confident that we're, we're moving forward. And I think also um, well, that's a big thing as well. Like we want everybody to know that we're not being malicious. We're not doing this as the enemy. We're not trying to stick it to anybody. Um, I've got nothing but love for iFly and the IBA. We just want, we need the ability to do something different. And that's why we needed to work with another manufacturer. Nothing, SkyVenture is a great technology. It's a great company. We just needed to be able to do something different because we're doing, we're focused on the sport itself. Sure. Now, the- I was going to say quick question um, since you brought up IBA and stuff, especially with uh, iFly and IBA have obviously yep. set amazing standards in regard to training and safety. Um, I'm imagining that you guys are going to take from the wealth of experience you've gotten from them and model your own facility along those lines. Mm, there, there, there's it. That, that's a weird one, right? That's like, uh, that's like. Well, I mean, we're not gonna, we're not gonna go backwards. We're not gonna go back. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Down a golf swing, you know. Right. There's an efficient way to swing a golf club. If you look at a breaststroke, there's an efficient breaststroke. You know, slapping the water doesn't suddenly become efficient. Right. You know, 
Um, I think that the evolution of how we we've done things is is been a a group effort. If you look at the way they do it in Europe, it's not drastically different than than it's just the way it's done. Like there's certain grips leverage that you do certain body mechanics that make more sense. Sure. um, So we're going to honor, we would like to be a dual rated facility and have, have obviously honored the IBA as much as, as much as possible. Like somebody comes in, like they like, yeah, dude, if you're signed off to do this stuff, we're going to honor that. Like, we're not going to be like, Oh, you got to go through our process. (laughs) Um, But, uh, well, I mean, you couldn't go back to, and, and Ray, you'll remember this back to the days when, it was cowboys wasn't even what we were. We were fucking insanely reckless. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. Not- no, we're not going back. like the, the standard, the standard will be a, a standard. Yeah. And we're, we're going to have our own independent rating system, but like Ray said, we would love to be dual rated. And uh, I, I hope that we've, we've got a good enough connection and relationship with the people at the IBA that we'll still be able to do that. And, and I mean, it's, it's another piece of furthering the sport where if we get to keep playing ball with iFly and with the IBA and we say, Hey, look, you know, we'll, we'll alleviate your skydiver issue. Let people come to us. We'll train them. We'll coach them. And we'd love to sign them off to your standards. So when they go back home to their home tunnel and they want to go jam with their buddies, um, we've still given them the appropriate sign off. We've still maintained your standard. We've, we've trained people and we're playing ball with you. So the people that we train can still go and fly at your tunnel. So the, the industry in itself, the sport in itself isn't damaged. People still get to go fly everywhere. Sure. I think it well, should be like, I think that's what we're going to do. That's yeah. not different, but like, I don't, I'm not a fan of check boxes because check boxes can lie. Like, let's say right. I go and I learn how to do a head down transition and then I get in a car accident, you know, and I don't fly for six months, but I still have that checkbox that says, Hey, I did this. Right. And there is a currency thing to that. Right. Um, I like well, the efficiency base. I mean, come show on. me this, this, and this. We all know people that have ticked all the boxes that are absolute shit at what they do. So they don't necessarily, the check, the right. te- check boxes don't necessarily work. Right. But that's not like a, that that's it almost in, in, in a lot of ways it can make it kind of a complacent. Yeah. Like, well, and I think that's honestly, and it's not even a, uh, it's not an issue with corporate. It's just kind of their, yeah. their downfall is they are a little too big to have the close-up view that you need to have to make sure that you're getting everybody to where they need to be. So that's, that's where like franchises are super lucky that like Virginia beach, we've got an examiner and three T4s and then a bunch of level four instructors that all work there. Like that's, that's pretty unheard of unless you're at a franchise where you've got, we, you know, we've probably got 40 something years worth of experience on our staff of dudes working at the tunnel. So we're, we're training all the time. We're able to have conversations all the time. We're not, we're not waiting on the rated dude to come in next month and do our little training session and then move on. So um, I think that's where we'll be lucky as well. in having just our facility and having that, that close up view of who's flying, what's going on and being able to vet coaches and skydivers that come in. So we're, we've got our fingers on the pulse and we're able to keep things safe and moving in a direction that is positive and, and safe for people at flying. Yeah, I feel bad for them in a way. Like if it, I couldn't imagine if somebody just came into our tunnel on like a random Saturday where, you know, you have level one and level two instructors yeah. and some random, uh, some random person comes that, that bought block time and, and they're like, yeah, I'm signed off for this and this. And they see that they're signed off for layouts and then, the very first layout that person does they get crushed and now they're crippled for the rest of their life and it's like 
man, that instructor was at fault there. It's like, no, you're shitting on the wrong dude. Yeah. Um, uh, like at some point, the, the, at some point, the responsibility has to lie within the person that took, took the, right. that was like, I'm going to go hook a back layout, you know? Um, sure. So we, it, with it, experience that says, Hey, I'm going to stand there and uh, I'm going to hold your shoulder. Right. I've never seen you do this. Uh, hit, hit, hit my, hit, hit the proficient, show me that you got proficiency before right. you do this other thing. But well, that's the thing, though, right, too, though, that that's a, a lot of the, the instructors that have that kind of experience. Uh, you're able to go in and make a relatively quick assessment of somebody's abilities without in without hindering their time in the tunnel. It doesn't take a 15 minute fucking block to figure out if a person's a, a proficient flyer or not, especially not at your guy's level. Right. Now, let's break that down, though. I mean, sometimes. Like you can, you can, you can make a really unhappy customer. They come in, they say they're at, they say they're at a certain level yeah. and then they get in there and they're just not, you know? So, and they're like, Oh, you made me backfly the whole time. It's like, bro, you probably needed that. <laughs> like you probably needed every second of that. Like, yeah. like that man, maybe give them a 20. <laughs> <laughs> well, now, huh? now tell me, um, we've got the the time frame for it. Hopefully, within a year, maybe a year and a half, that you're talking about flying. The most important question I have is, Ray, do I have one of those rooms set aside? Are you going to give me like a season pass so I can come out and fly? Oh yeah, dude, <laughs> that's what I want to know, bro. Bro, I'm trying to run a business here. I ain't trying to <laughs> hand. <laughs> what is this? What is this? Like, if I'm your bro, you're going to pay full price. <laughs> oh man, hey, I had to yeah, fucking I. I had to try. Yeah, hey, yeah. You know what the problem is, is if I get you within one of those rooms, I might not let you go. <laughs> I might just keep prisoner now. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know. I'm crusty and old man now. I don't uh, I don't know if I can handle it for too long. Now, guys, give me the breakdown. How do people uh, find out everything that's going on with this project outside of the podcast? What's the social media tags? Um, who do they email if they're curious? They got money in the bank they want to share in this project. How do they get a hold of you guys? So our website is uh, www.flyawaytn.com. Super easy. Uh, we're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. Uh, those are going to be the main places that we'll be posting stuff. Flyawaytn. Uh, or the handles fly on uh, Facebook and Instagram are flyawaypf for Flyaway Pigeon Forge. And I want to take a second real quick just, just to talk about Pigeon Forge because I know a handful of people. Mike, Mike e. Silva out there let me know that I need to clear the air for people. Pigeon Forge is a magical, beautiful place. It's full of all kinds of fantastic things. I know a lot of people are definitely, they've never heard of it. You might have heard of Gatlinburg, but uh, Pigeon Forge is such an incredible place for us to build this tunnel for the first timer market because of one key thing, and it is the amazing Great Smoky Mountains. Uh, Dean, what do you think the most visited national park in the U.S. is? I'm guessing you're going to tell me it's right near there. Well, it is, yeah. But if you had to guess, or you know, what would you think would be the most popular one? Uh, I mean, if I had to guess National Parkways, I'd say something like Yosemite. But I'm a California guy, right? So here, here's the crazy thing, right? So Yosemite is number six on the list. Yosemite gets 3.6 million visitors a year, right? Uh, number five is Acadia with 3.9. Number four is the Rockies with 4.3. Uh, Zion is 4.6, Grand Canyon's 4.7. Uh, the Great Smoky Mountains National Park comes in at just under 13 million visitors a year. <laughs> That's awesome. 
Biggest reason why is the Smokies are the last free national park to enter. And uh, Gatlinburg, Pigeon Forge, and Sevierville, the three towns that are on the road into the Smokies, uh, they fight to keep it that way because Pigeon Forge is a tourist town. Gatlinburg is a tourist town. So uh, all of the taxes and everything in Pigeon Forge go to conserving the park and keeping it free for all those tourists. It's also kind of centrally located for the East Coast. We've got, we're an eight-hour drive from 109 million people. Wow. So who have asked man why did you pick pigeon forge that's weird um flyaway pigeon forge has been there since 1982 and they've been kicking ass for 40 years it's the longest running tunnel operation and it's yeah. like dude they're they're 200 and something days or 280 days a year they fly 26,000 people like a lot of iFlies are pulling those numbers being open every day so pigeon forge crosses it and having the first timer magic there in Pigeon Forge allows us to offer really awesome things for the pro flyers. So just to clear the air for anybody who thinks that we're we're flying when you're not flying, there's so much to do. Yeah. There's like 15 go kart tracks yeah. and like like it's not just go karts and mini putt putt though. Right. There's like indoor skiing. Yeah. There's like all kinds of great dinners and yeah. Guy Fieri's got a restaurant about 200 feet from our door. Paula Dean's got a restaurant 500 feet from our door. So it's, it's going to be super oh, cool. We didn't mention a trap. So Travis Pastrana was our first, uh, our first money to come through the door. Like we pitched him like I'm in. And so what? he wants to, uh, what? If, why the, why am I talking to you fuckers? Why do I not have Travis Pastrana? <laughs> I've talked to you too many fucking times and you're telling me I'm one degree of separation from Travis Pastrana and I'm fucking talking to yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think that Mike wanted to do business with me because I ain't never really hooked him up with everybody like that. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? That dude gets his door knocked down. Anyway, but check this out. He, he, wants to do some crazy shit like he wants to do a like an annual nitro circus event in the parking lot really so i'm looking to build competition around that around that area he's out there to perform on the stage yeah and then like do a whole event out in the parking lot and then we could do our our competition i got a take on competition i want to introduce um mainly for creativity reasons and then stick to the traditional path, like maybe have Domi come and yep. like and like run a proper European like, like dynamic yep. competition at our tunnel and like really really bridge the gap from America to Europe and be like, all right, cool, dude. Hand them the keys to our facility and be like, yeah. do magic stuff. That's Make epic. magic. Stuff. Yeah, that's so. fantastic. I mean, honestly, guys, I'm I'm thrilled with the prospect of what's to come. And I mean, it sounds like obviously a shitload of work has gone into it. I think the concept is fantastic. I think it is going to further the sport quite a lot and afford people the ability to do both. Like you say, first time flyers, of course, are still obviously taking a huge priority in their own tunnel. But to be a first time flyer that also can literally look and see what their future holds in store if they stick with it. That's fucking epic. You know, I mean, um, Ray, you know how much time we had to fight to try and get tunnel time uh, in Vegas in Flyaway because it was first time flyers, 15 minute block after 15 minute block. I mean, you would beg to get in on a group. So if I had had that opportunity, I can only imagine where I would have gone dramatically quicker. Well, the super cool thing, too, for all the instructors out there, and this is, you know, a, a super exciting thing for us 
the there's no way currently to really do what we're going to have the ability to do. But by separate instructor, we're going to teach you to fly first timers. You're going to get really good at that. And then when you're really good at flying first timers, we've created the opportunity. We've now got coaching students over here for you. We've got a plethora of people. We are getting people to travel from all over the world to come and learn how to fly. So we are immensely grateful to be able to really create a legitimate career path for people as well, where now sure. it's like, hey, you the dude making great money flying first timers, but we're also able to train you and hand you the opportunity of students. So that when you're 26 years old with two kids, you don't right. have to stop doing this. Right. You know? Sure. Sure. I mean, that's well, where the kind of comes in. Well, I mean, like, let's... Okay, Let's face it, the uh, the uh, need for a traditional career path is dead. It doesn't have to be that way. And people have finally woken up to the fact that they have a lot more options and that they don't necessarily have to mean nine to five. They don't have to mean the college plaques on the wall. There's a lot of other stuff that you can do that for people like us is a fuckload more fulfilling, which is really amazing. Right. Well, I mean, it's tough. The retention, the retention, um, of an instructor it, i mean the amount of money we put into a level one instructor like a level one instructor we were vested probably about 10 grand into them before they've even put their hands on anybody hmm. a level four instructor we're 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 looking at sixty thousand dollars right yeah a level a level four trainer you're looking at i don't know infinity sign like there's just so much money that goes in the so by the time a person's really worth their salt, they leave. Yeah. It's like, huh, now I have to start all over again. And yeah. then, oh, now for this season, I'm going to have a bunch of un, un, unseasoned instructors that, you know, and sure. I, still have a, I still have a customer base that's expecting this quality, you know, right. and it's like, well, where did all the good people go? Oh, this company must not be good. It's like, no, it's just not designed to be a career, really. It's designed for – so – you got to identify our, there's grinders, yep. there's visitors, and there's lifers. Everybody starts off as a grinder. You're in the, you're in the mix, you're grinding. You're figuring out whether or not you're a visitor or, or a lifer. If you're a visitor, awesome. Get, gain the experience upward and onward with your career path. Hope you all the best. If you need help putting that resume together, let me know, right? Two, you have the, um, the lifers. What did they do? Like, are they foolish for being lifers? I don't think so. Like, I'm a lifer. I was able to do it. I look around. Why hasn't anybody else really been able to do it? Like, and there are. There, I'm not the only one that did it. But sure, I did special. I had good timing. Right. Well, awesome. it's, it's, it's nice to see that, uh, that options continue to open up in a sport that is still quite young and is still, uh, really, really growing into itself. Now, um, yeah. one more time, give me the social media, give me the contacts. Is there an email somebody needs to send as well? If that's yeah. something more important, www.flyawaytn.com for the website. Um, our social media pages, the handles are all at flyawaypf. We're on Facebook under Flyaway Indoor Skydiving and Body Flight Center, which I know is a mouthful, <laughs> uh, but you, you guys just call us Flyaway. And then if anybody's interested in more information and investment opportunities, anything like that, it's info at flyawaytn.com. 
That's amazing. Gentlemen, I cannot wait to see the progression. I know that shit's going to start probably going pretty quickly once it all gets going. So I want lots of updates so I can keep people uh, updated on what's going on and when they can start booking some tunnel time. But guys, thank you so very much. I hope you guys have an awesome day and an awesome future. Yeah, <laughs> you, as well, you too, brother. Can't wait to have you out there. Cheers. And there you have it. Another episode of Lunatic Fringe Into the Void brought to you as always by, and say it with me, fuck yeah, NZ Aerosports. Head to nzaerosports.com. By Pussfoot. That's right, head to pussfoot.com, the extreme sports collective, and check out everything they've got to offer. By summitparachutesystems.com. Jarrett Martin and the family cranking out amazing pilot rigs, as well as incredible rigging courses. And now joining the Lunatic team, it's the one and only Tony Suits. You know them, you love them. Head to tonysuit.com. Check out all the amazing standards, as well as the new incredible signature line they've got going on. And as for us, the Lunatic Fringe is now on YouTube. That's right, you're going to have the chance to put faces to the audio by heading to YouTube.com and looking up the Lunatic Fringe Podcast. It's easy. Hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, check out all the amazing videos from the previous guests that we've had, as well as new and upcoming interviews on video. As always, I am the fucking pilot. Head to thefuckingpilot.net or theprincesspilot.com. Thanks for joining. We'll see you next time around. Thank <laughs> you.